at our last board meeting, the, the board and I had a conversation about last days and the transition and we agreed on a, a last Sunday uh, for myself, which is going to be August 4th. Uh, my last day will be the 8th, but the last Sunday will be August 4th, um, which started me thinking, how do I want to wrap this time up? And what, what will the final series kind of look like? And so we're going to start into a final series here at Chalmers called Keeping Focused. A number of years ago, we came up with a phrase that we wanted to have as our focus as a church, that we wanted to be people who connected with God and with each other, grew to be more like Jesus, and cared for our community and beyond. We're going to be talking about that as we go into the summer as a way of us keeping our focus on the most important things, on Jesus, on his church, on the mission that he calls Chalmers to be part of. Because lots of things can change, lots of things can be different, but Christ is not one of them. Christ remains the same, and his call for us as a church remains the same. And so we're going to be looking at, at that in the next few weeks to start off with today, I wanted to ask, not just because it's Father's Day, because many women can do lots of things around the house, so men or women, how many of you have ever changed one of your electric circuit plugs in your house, one of the kind of prong plugs? How many of you have ever changed that? Yeah? Whether it was to make it look nicer, whether it had stopped working, uh, those kind of things. So, you know, you unscrew it, you turn off the power first. <laughs> we won't ask how many people have forgot to do that. <laughs> Is this on? Let me check. It's interesting, they, they now make them, you can buy them that are childproof. When I was younger, you know, you never stick anything in them, right? They now make them that as an adult, it's really hard to stick anything in them. <laughs> When you're trying to stick a plug in them, they have these like little folding things so that no child can stick anything in them and no adult can stick anything in them and they simply become a decorative piece on your wall. <laughs> when I was fixing, uh, replacing these a number of years ago, I did a big bout and replaced them all just to make them look more modern in our house. After I replaced one of them, it didn't work anymore. And I went, uh-oh, what did I do wrong here? Is the face faulty? What has happened? So again, I turned off the power and I took it out again. And what I found was that I had bent over the wire, but I hadn't screwed in the screw that it's attached to enough. And so when I put it back in, which is never an easy task, right? All of a sudden, the hole gets smaller and you're like, how did that work? But the wire had disconnected again. And so there was no power, and it didn't work. When we think about connecting, it's easy to think about those kind of analogies, right? Like wires connecting to create power and bring power into our home. We don't often think about 
all of the amazing amount of power that we are connected into our house. We simply plug our computer and our TV and our microwave and our dehumidifier and our fan and our and our and our into these outlets and hope we don't blow a fuse. But as Christians, we too are connected to God. And yet so often we can forget how powerful God is and the amazing power and the amazing privileges and the amazing family relationship that we are now connected to in Christ. Now, it wasn't always like this. For every single one of us sitting here today, at some point in your life, you were disconnected from God because of our sinful nature. The Bible tells us, in fact, that we were so disconnected from God, we were alienated from God. In fact, in our own minds, we consider God our enemy. This is what it says in Colossians 1, 21 and 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. We were alienated from God, and now we are brought into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that is a beautiful gospel. That is good news. Because of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, in our place, our sins are forgiven. And because he is no longer on the cross, he's no longer in the grave, but he has resurrected, we too have hope in new life. And so this new relationship with God that we are now connected to him through his son, we now are invited by God, we are now told by God to follow him. Follow my son. Follow Jesus. And so our lives, everything that we do, should be an attempt to follow Jesus. Again, in Colossians 1, verses 9 to 14, just before our previous passage, it says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Helps us to follow him if we know his will. Through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Why? So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, we were disconnected from God. 
By the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, we have become connected to God. We have been given forgiveness and freedom and love in Jesus Christ. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And now we are being sent out to do good works. Good works that he has prepared for us to do. Now that's a tall order. I mean, God wants us to live our lives for him. He wants us to honor him with our relationships, with our decisions, with our wallets, with our time, with our whole lives. And to follow Jesus means that we truly do surrender everything that we have. That's not easy. But if you have experienced the love and the grace of God, then you know that it's much better to do what he wants than to do what you want. But still, how do we do it? How do we live our lives worthy of God? The answer is we can't, at least not on our own. And this is why God gives us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to be our counselor, to be our guide. It's an amazing thing. We've been promised in Scripture that each and every one of you who believes in Jesus Christ who has accepted him as your Lord and your Savior and who wants to follow him today, has at this very moment the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, dwelling inside of you, leading you and guiding you. Talk about connection. That is power. That is intimacy. That is amazing. God himself is in you, moving, wanting to lead and guide you. And it's a good thing because we can't follow him on our own. And yet if we surrender to the Holy Spirit in us, we can do amazing, amazing things. And so we who are disconnected from God now are given complete intimate connection with God and are asked to live our lives for Jesus. And again, it's a big task, even with the Holy Spirit. It can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming. I mean, me, little me, I'm now part of God's rescue plan for the world? People are to look at my life and hear from my words that there is a God who loves them, and that this God is worthy of their entire lives. Even with the Holy Spirit, even with the Holy Spirit in us, we still can't do it on our own. We weren't meant to do it on our own. We are not islands. That's why when we say we want to connect with God, we say in the same breath, and with each other. We want to connect with God and each other. Because God has given us community in the church. God has given us one another. The church is God's plan. It was his idea. You can't read the Bible and not see the church. At least you can't read it well and not see the church. Most of, the, of them are letters to churches. So why the church? Why does God put us into community. Why does God put us in community? I want to share with you three things. Number one, 
He gives us the church to proclaim God to others. He gives us the church to proclaim God to others. Let me give you an example. We can use our words and tell people, God loves you, God forgives you, God loves you, God forgives you. But until we show that lived out, the words are meaningless. The words are empty until we show that they have power. Until I show God's love and forgiveness in my life, it doesn't matter how often I can say it. But if I get together with a group of people like this congregation, where hopefully most of us want to follow Jesus, we want to show his love to others, and we do life together, and we care for one another, guess what's going to happen? We're also going to offend one another. We're also going to rub each other the wrong way. We're also going to tick each other off from time to time. We're going to disappoint each other. And because of our love for God, we are called to forgive one another. And the world looks on and says, what do you have that I don't have? You see, the unity and the love that the church should embody is a strange thing in our world. People are so ready to just throw in the towel and ditch each other. We are, we are told in our culture, be independent. Be lone wolves. Do your own thing. If someone offends you, unfriend them on Facebook and likewise. Throw out relationships doesn't matter if they're 5, 10, 15 years old. Throw them out. You can get new ones. And yet Jesus understood that we were meant for relationship. That we were made for relationship. The beginning of the Bible, when God creates Adam, he looks at him and says, it's not good for him to be alone. That wasn't just about a marriage. That was about everyday life. It's not good for us to be alone. We were meant for one another. In the early church, people would look at the church and they took notice because they loved one another even though they were broken people. And the early church wasn't perfect by any means. Read through 1 Corinthians. It had issues, like issues that would make you blush, like weird, horrible issues within that church. And yet, at the same time, it showed the love of God to the people outside of the church. Jesus says in John 13, 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. And so we need to love one another to share the light and the love of Christ in the world. If we don't love each other within the church, then we lose our message of love and reconciliation in our community. And I have seen that happen too many times. I have seen churches go through church splits and church fractions and be torn apart 
and they want to talk about a God of love and reconciliation, but they're not living it out. And the culture just goes, whatever you have, we don't want it. And I've also seen churches that have gone through horrible issues and conflicts and yet have stayed unified and have prayed together and have cared for each other and loved one another. And the people outside of the church say, why? Why are you still together? Why do you love each other when you keep hurting each other? And they look in eager anticipation for an answer that might speak to their lives as well. God made the church so that we could declare his light into the world. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Just so you know, that's not talking about you individually. That's talking about you collectively. But together, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation to bring God's light into darkness. And so we need one another to share the love of God with our community. Number two, we need one another to love despite personal preferences. I want you to think about it this way. In October, Heather and I will be married for 13 years. And although people say take a good look at the person you love, you love's family because you marry that family, nobody actually does, right? Heather didn't choose me because of my family. She chose me because I was handsome and charming and witty <laughs> and humble. <laughs> and yet, she inherited my family. She inherited my relatives. She became my wife, but at the same moment, she became a daughter-in-law and a sister-in-law. She has to put up with my crazy family, a family that she didn't choose, but that she inherited. In the same way, you have been adopted into God's family the very moment that you accepted Christ into your life. You chose Christ, and you became a child of God. That's a beautiful thing. You are a child of God, but look to your left, and look to your right. They became children of God, too. And you didn't choose them. You're stuck with them. One man from, our, from this church many years ago used to say, the church is the family of God with the wacky uncles and the weird aunts and the black sheeps in the family. If you look around and you can't see them, that means that you're them. <laughs> you don't pick your family. You pick your friends, but you don't pick your family. You inherit your family. And if I'm totally honest... If you're totally honest, the people here, if you met them in the grocery store, they may not be the people that you go, hey, I really want to hang out with you. 
You probably have other people that you're like, hey, I want to hang out with someone who does the same type of work that I do, or who has the same interests as, as I have, or who is the same age that I am. We, we, cannot, we, we have our checklist, right? Like, this is what I want in a friend. And the church, the people in the church might not check all those boxes. You might find someone, but probably you're not going to check all those boxes within the church. And yet, God gives us love for one another, despite our preferences. And it's a beautiful thing. Because again, there are so many things that we have forsaken in our culture. We've gotten very siloed in our culture, haven't we? Where you hang out with people who are your age, or who are your economic stature, or who have your interests in mind. But when we come together as the church, we become part of the kingdom of God. And we see the flavor of God's family. People who are different from us. People who have different senses of humor. People who have different income levels. People who have different professions. People of all different ages and ethnicities. This is what the kingdom of God is like. We come together and we are called to love each other even even if you don't like each other. And I know here at Chalmers that you do like each other. But I know even more that you love each other. God made us to be in fellowship with one another. The church is an important part of our walk with Christ where we lay aside our preferences to love one another. The Bible talks about the church as the bride of Christ. The Bible talks about the church as the body of Christ. And if we ever say, I love God, but I don't love the church, it does, just doesn't compute. It's like saying, I love God, but I just don't love something that God loves. God laid down his life, not just for you, but for the church. Number three. We are called to love and support one another. I don't have to tell you this. You already know the world is a hard place. Not only are we living in a world and in a culture that has twisted and perverted the true value system, but even without those things, it's just hard. There are hard things in our lives. There is sickness and disease and death. There is broken relationships and broken trusts. There's abuse and violence and betrayal. There are so many things that make our world just hard. And we need one another We need to be loved. We need to be supported. We can't go through life on our own. And this goes far beyond just seeing each other on a Sunday morning. But it might start there. It might start there. 
think I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again. Francis Chan, he's a, an author and a pastor down in the States. And he had a young man come to his church who had been in a gang, and he gave his life to the Lord. He was baptized. He started being part of the church events. But probably about two or three months later, this man just started, you know, just coming to church once in a while. And Francis Chan saw kind of a bit of a change in the guy and was like, oh, what's going on here? And so had coffee with him one day. He said, what's going on? We've been missing you at church. What's going on? And the man said, well, I think I just didn't understand church. But I do now. You see, I had this perspective that church was like the gang. When I was jumped into the gang, when I was initiated into the gang, we became like family. We had each other's backs. We were with each other all the time. We were family together. And so when I gave my life to Jesus and was baptized, I thought that it was like being jumped into the gang. I thought this is what Christians do. This is by being jumped into the Christian gang. And I thought it would be the same. I didn't know it was just Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And Francis Chan left that coffee and he cried. Because how is it that a gang is a better image of community than the church of Jesus Christ. And he said, something has to be different. We are called to love and support one another. Church is not what we do on Sunday mornings. It's not your small group. It's not your prayer night. Those are good things. But church is community, is life together. And at this point, I'm preaching to the choir because I know many of you get this. And many of you have been loving and caring for one another and have been inviting one another into your lives. And if that's not where you're, if you're not there yet, I want to invite you to open yourself up. Don't, don't open yourself up to everyone, but open yourself up to some people and allow them to love and care for you. Allow them to see some of the hurt, some of the vulnerability in your life. And they'll open themselves up to you as well. And you can love and care for each other well. Because that is what the church is meant to be. I've heard of people who've offered drives to get groceries or appointments for those who don't drive themselves. And this is a huge financial burden for many people here in Concordia. Taxis are really expensive. And so people have loved and cared for one another and said, hey, let me, let me drive you to that appointment. I've heard of people who have brought meals and diapers and secondhand clothes and toys to families with young children, families that have new babies. I've heard of people who were lonely and just said, hey, you don't have someone, I don't have someone, let's get together for a meal once a week. Just share life with one another. I've heard of people who've helped one another with renovations, with projects, farm work. 
that is what the church is. That is what the church is supposed to be. It's not coming to a building for a couple hours on Sunday. It's not a Bible study in someone's house. That is part of it. But the church is being family and caring for each other. This is what it says at the beginning in, in Acts. This is an account, a description of what the church was meant to be. They committed themselves to the teachings of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in this temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. This is what the church is meant to be. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. It's not just possessions, it's time, it's skills. We share what we have. We love one another. We serve one another. I've seen twisted churches before where everybody says, I need to meet my needs. You know what? Have you ever been in a church like that? I need to be cared for. I need my needs met. I am the most important person here. And you have a whole lot of little silos of people, right? And everyone's disgruntled. Everyone's ticked off. Because no one's needs are being met. And I've seen, and I've seen glimpses of it here, where the attitude is reversed. And people say, I'm going to wash your feet. Because if we all wash someone's feet, if we all serve one another, then everyone's feet are clean. If we all serve, all of our needs are met. We are loved and cared for. The church is this beautiful thing that God has given us. The church is this beautiful thing that we are invited to be part of. The church is our family. And it is a family that is so important. I want to just invite you right now just to look around again for a minute. Look at the faces around you. I know that's awkward. Just go with it. Try to look past the people who are actually blood-related to you. (laughs) Let me tell you right now, there are amazing people here. And if you look around right now and you see people that you don't know yet, I want to invite you to get to know them because there are some amazing people here that you will be blessed to know. There are amazing people here who will care for you and who will allow you to care for them.
This is something that Chalmers does well. This is something that Chalmers does well. And as we move forward, as we keep our focus on Christ, I just pray and ask that we would continue to love and serve and care for one another because you are the family of God given to each other for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to just thank you so much. I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for each and every brother and sister in Christ here. I want to thank you for those who have just cared for one another so well. I want to thank you for those who are walking with each other through hard times and good times. I want to thank you for the stories that you are writing in this church and the ways that we support one another here. And Lord, I pray that as we move forward as a congregation, that we would keep focused on your love for each of us, that we would continue to serve one another, that we would continue to put aside our own preferences, that we would continue to show this community your love in the unity that you have brought here. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.